This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. Archbishop, it's great, as always, to have you in studio. And we are in the middle of November. In fact, we are going to be close to Christ the King Feast, (laughs) Thanksgiving, and then Advent. So things are moving very quickly to an end of one year and into a new liturgical year with all sorts of uh, hopes and dreams. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about peace and unity. You, You mentioned last week about just feeling that unifying with with the priests, with the ordination in Rome, and just being in the holy city, just you get that sense of Jesus's prayer that we would all be one. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that we can talk a little bit about how we can bring peace in a world that is mm-hmm. in many times unsettled and can be with discord. When you help us begin in prayer. Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, your Son, Jesus, told us that he gives us peace. But he says, Lord, not as the world gives does he give us this peace. Father, we ask you to give us exactly the peace that only you can give to our hearts, to our homes, to our lives, to our world. Fill us with your loving presence, with your mercy, with your love. Help us to grow and to be healed each day from all division. Father, we ask you to be with us during this radio broadcast so that our listeners may experience greater peace and joy in your loving presence. All of this we ask through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, as we all are called to be a people of peace. You know, the one scripture that comes to my mind, and as we were celebrating all saints and all souls, it was mentioned by one of the priests that the Beatitudes, we hear that many times, maybe at a funeral, or we'll hear that a few times throughout the year, but these blessed ours, Mm -hmm. you know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who are persecuted, um, blessed are those who are merciful. We hear these teachings of Jesus, and sometimes they're not so easy. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jesus, okay. Sometimes, <laughs> in a way, sometimes, like <laughs> uh, maybe most of the time. Right? But he has this promise for us that if we embrace with a love, uh, but there are times, Archbishop, when it doesn't feel peaceful, and no. sometimes that's even in our homes or in our country, or we've just had a, a, a political time where people oh, have been voting, I and know. so there can be that discord in our own, uh, even in our own Catholic communities. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the divisions, oh, and the rancor, uh, really, uh, that's in our culture right now is so, uh, it's, of course, I think, you know, maybe every age says this, but I, I, I can honestly say in my lifetime, 
you know, it's never been this bad in terms of the division and the and the demonizing of each other. And, uh, you know, we, as you said, we just came through this political time, this election season. And I mean, I, I don't I, I honestly don't watch a lot of television. Uh, but I typically in the morning, sometimes while I'm making my coffee and breakfast, will turn the local station on, of uh, news station, just to see what's going on in, in Portland and, and the Archdiocese and uh, Oregon and, you know, make sure I haven't missed anything that's happened overnight so that I should be praying about or be just be aware of. And in those days, the last week, especially before the election, literally the entire commercial time in between segments were political ads, and they were all attack ads. Mm -hmm. They were all one side attacking the other personally, politically, misrepresenting, lying. It was really depressing. And But it's reflective, I think, of where we are so much in the culture today. And as you say, it, and it affects us in so many different ways. Yes, there's the political divisions. Then there are the social divisions over social issues, the woke culture uh, versus, you know, our, our more traditional Catholic theology and, and sociology and social teaching and moral teaching. We see it within our church, where one camp pitted against another. You know, and this whole synodal process that's supposed to be bringing about unity seems to be creating actually some disunity. So, yes, we need to heed more carefully the, the prayer of Jesus before uh, he gave himself up to death for our salvation, his high priestly prayer that he prayed with his apostles at the Last Supper. And he prayed that they, to the Father, he prayed to the Father that we be one, that we be one. As the Father is one with the Son in the Holy Spirit, so may we be one, one in them, one with each other. We have to set a different tone. We have to set a different example for the world. We have to do this. This is our calling as, as disciples of Jesus. So we need to find that peace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned before, Archbishop, just the joy that you have in going to different parishes, visiting the different communities. But I know that there are times, and whether it's at St. Mary's Cathedral after Mass, people are going to come up to you and ask for prayers. Right. And there's a lot of burdens that are oh, yes. on people's oh, yes. hearts, um, family burdens, <clears throat> relationship, financial, uh, you name it. Um, but what, is, what do those burdens say about our culture, say about our community? When you hear from the hearts of these people? You know, I, th I think the, the, the people that ask me for prayers, and I'm so blessed to be a priest. I'm so blessed to be a bishop so that people can come to me and ask for prayers. Uh, there's no greater privilege, I think, sometimes for a priest. Because above all, we must be men of prayer, and we must be intercessors for our people. We plead on their behalf with Almighty God. I, I think of the great leader, you know, like Moses, who was constantly pleading on behalf of the people. You know, one minute he's saying, you know, Lord, why have you burdened me with his people? <laughs> you know, they're, they're really a pain. Uh, and then other times he's saying, Lord, don't destroy them. These are your chosen people. These are the ones that you delivered. Uh, you know, don't turn your heart from them. So it's such a privilege to be asked to intercede and pray for people. And I'm learning uh, more uh, if there's time you know, because, you know, people say, oh, yes, of course, I'll pray for you. And they'll ask very specific things, you know. And, and, and But I, I think the things typically that people are asking prayer for are probably things that human beings have always struggled with. There's, it's, it's, it's rare for there to be, you know, something new under the sun, as they say. You know, uh, often it's prayers for health, 
Mm-hmm. So many people will come up to me and, and, and inform me of a health condition that they have. Sadly, sometimes, you know, cancer. Mm-hmm. And they're asking for, for prayers uh, and, and to lay hands on them and, and to pray over them. Uh, sometimes there are problems in families, marriage, marital problems, uh, addiction problems, sometimes in families. A lot of times I get parents, grandparents who want me to pray for their children who have wandered away from the faith or maybe who are living lives that, um, you know, are, are not in harmony with the gospel way of life. Sometimes there are financial concerns and, and concerns over jobs and, and uh, finances, all the whole range, the whole gamut. And, you know, sometimes I can tell people are really in distress and uh, that just, you know, tugs at a pastor's heart. But what I would say to people is, you know, too, uh, yes, I'm, you know, very happy to, to pray uh, for people and, and that they find that peace that comes from the Lord in the midst of their trials and tribulations and the sufferings of, of our life. But, you know, I, I'm in the same boat. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people don't maybe don't think about that at times, you know, that, okay, I'm the bishop and I'm the priest and, you know, I must not, you know, have the same struggles and problems they have. I assure you the opposite is true. <laughs> yeah. I, I just share with an example. I had a recent situation that I was facing just very recently. And I have to say, it was so distressing for me, the potential for for harm and damage, that I, I have to say I lost my peace. I found myself for about a day completely agitated, uh, fearful, I mean, I can honestly say to you, good people, I was, I was, my heart was filled with fear. I lost my center for a moment in Christ. You know, I, I, I was, I just didn't know what was going to happen. You know, wondered was God going to, you know, deliver me from this. Yeah, so it was a very scary moment, and and again, I lost, I lost my balance, I lost my peace for a little bit, and uh, I think we all feel that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, what what parent hasn't felt that? for their children or for their spouse or, or a work situation or something that, you know, some catastrophe that's looming that could happen, you know, and when we, I, I don't know about most people. I, uh, I think I learned that, I inherited that from my mother. You know, I kind of always go to the worst case scenario. You know, my mind goes down the path of all the worst things that could possibly happen in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I can get myself sometimes really worked up as my mother could really do that. She was good at that. Uh, God rest her soul. But I found my peace again. And I found it in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I found it in turning back to the Lord. I found it in prayer, quite honestly. I found it in prayer. I found it in going back into prayer, back into conversation with our Lord, renewing my trust in him, my surrender to him, and being reminded in prayer of his love for me. And I think we all need to be reminded of that, that God loves us. And, and yes, he doesn't, always take away the sufferings of our life, but he is so in love with us. He made us for love and in love. He's with us. And and so for me, what restores my peace in a moment like I just experienced is just really allowing God to love me in the moment, in the suffering, in the midst of the, the pain and the worry and the fear and the doubt, to, to just let God love me and to try to stir up in my heart my own sentiments of love for him. 
and so thankfully, you know, uh, within a day, my peace is restored because I, and I have this image in my chapel, which is of course where I spend most of my time in prayer. I have a large, beautiful image of the divine mercy in my chapel and those words inscribed at the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you. I, you know, to try to live that because peace, we pray for peace in the world. We pray for peace in our country. We pray for peace in our church. But that peace starts with each one of us being grounded and rooted in Jesus in, in our relationship with God, finding the peace that he, if, if, if we find that peace individually uh, in our Lord, then, then we will be peacemakers, sowers of peace in our communities, whether they be our uh, church community, whether they be our social community, whether they be our political community. We become agents of peace and reconciliation uh, rather than, than furthering the division and the, and the hostility that is so prevalent around us today. So yeah, so for me, so I guess I just, what I'm trying to say is with, as people come to me with all of their prayers and petitions, I'm just thrilled to be able to intercede and pray for them. And as I started to say earlier, you know, I've learned not to just say, I'll pray for you later. Let's pray right now. Yeah. Let's, you want me to pray for your son? Let's pray right now. Let's just take a moment to pray for him right now. What's his name? Uh, and I'm very big on that. I, if people ask me to pray for your husband or pray for him, whatever. I say, give me their first name. You know, and I try to, you know, commit myself to praying for that person by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is just part, of, again, about that communion of right. the saints and, and how we we can pray and, and support one another. Right. And you just bring up such a beautiful point, Archbishop, that our priests need our prayers. You need our prayers. Our religious communities need our prayers. We go to them. I know. I go to the sisters and oh, I absolutely. say, you know, and my mom, my mom will call me, will you make sure to let the sisters know about this prayer intention? Because <laughs> the sisters obviously are so much more closer to God. But I think we do look to the religious community. We look absolutely. to you, Archbishop. Well, yeah. And I, you know, and I do too. And, you know, yeah. in this recent, in this recent challenge that I was facing, I reached out to all of our religious communities that I could think of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially the monastic communities, the contemplative communities, the yeah. prayer communities, our wonderful Benedictines at Mount Angel and our Brigentine monks and the, the Carmelite sisters and the Trappist monks and then other mm-hmm. convents of sisters uh, I was reaching out to just saying, hey, I got a big one here. Would you please <laughs> right. pray for me? But I have to say, that's part of what got me through. Mm-hmm was knowing that all of these people who really do care about me were praying for me and wanted uh, to intercede for me for my good. And that's what, you know, I try to do and our priests try to do and and the religious folks try to do for for all of our people, you know, to to be that intercessor and to know that somebody cares enough about you and loves you and is praying for you and is really concerned about you. Man, that goes a long way. Yeah. I think there is a comfort, there is a peace of mind when you know you have a community to reach out to. You know, I think about people who have the opportunity to go to daily Mass, and we have that time, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we get to pray for one another's prayer intentions, Mm -hmm. or we just know we're all facing something, or somebody (laughs) we love. We can look around the pews and say, we know there's something going on, but there's a comfort that is beyond um, having a good meal. You know, there's a comfort in knowing there are people who are going through the same rough things as mm-hmm. I am, and yet where are we? We're in God's house. Mm-hmm. We're going to receive Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as fully as we can in this moment in the Eucharist. And that's going to give me some strength yes. 
to get through this day. I have this wonderful experience myself um, when I'm celebrating Mass in my chapel at my house. Um, If I don't have Mass somewhere else in the day, I I have to celebrate Mass privately. You know, I don't look, I look forward to having Mass with people, but, you know, that doesn't work out all the time. And I just, the way my chapel is situated during the Eucharistic prayer, I have an incredible crucifix hanging above the altar. Very lifelike in many ways, especially the eyes of Jesus. His eyes are opened. And I think there must be glass eyes. And they're so real. I almost get chills sometimes looking into his face on the cross as I'm offering the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood and knowing that I'm going to be in communion with him in the Eucharist. There is such an overwhelming sense of his closeness to us in the Mass, in the Eucharist, in his sacrifice of love for us. That brings me great consolation. I always always come away from Mass much more peaceful. I may not be completely, (laughs) I mean, not completely okay, but I'm certainly much, much better having received the grace of his presence and love in the sacrament. And when you say that, Archbishop, I just was thinking about being at the Mass for All Souls. And I know you had the opportunity on the Feast of All Souls to be at our cemeteries, you know, to pray for those most recently who have died. But the priest mentioned, and I've heard two priests mention this, that when we receive the Holy Eucharist at the Mass, if, we, if we're if we a widow, if we've just lost a loved one, that can be the closest place mm-hmm. that we have with that loved one. And I, I guess I didn't think about that before. Well, about, you know, wow. we should think about that because I always say this, you know, just on the on the church here still on earth, you know, the church, all of us here in the communion of saints that are still working out our salvation, as St. Paul says, that is, an, that is a moment we are most communion with each other in this world. There's no way to be more intimately connected with another person than when we have just received the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. We are in communion with the Lord and his mystical body, the church, and we are deeply in communion with one another. When I and the person next to me have just both received the Eucharistic presence of Christ and and he dwells within us, we're in deep communion with each other. But you make a very good point, as these priests have made, that we're also in deeply in communion with the saints in heaven and with our loved ones who might still be in purgatory. Mm -hmm. Because the communion of the church is one, both those still in this world and those who have gone uh, to the other side, whether they be in purgatory or in heaven, there's one communion. And we profess that in the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the communion of saints. When we say we believe in the communion of the saints, we're not just talking about the saints in heaven. We're talking about all of us in communion in the body of Christ, the church, the church here, the church in purgatory, the church in heaven. Uh, we're one communion uh, of believers. So yes, when we do receive the Holy Eucharist, uh, we should maybe think about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. That I'm I'm united to my loved ones who have who have passed to the other side of uh, of, of the veil, if you will. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 a deep, it's a beautiful way to think about how, you know, even though the physical presence of our loved one is no longer with us in this world, they have not ceased to exist. They still live. You know, I think about that with my mom and my father and other loved ones that I have known who've died. You know, they haven't ceased to be. I don't see them anymore as I once did, but they're alive and we're in communion with one another. And when I received the Eucharist, 
I'm deeply in communion with them in a, in a very powerful way. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a beautiful reality to yeah. to meditate on. Yeah, and I think that's where we find that is where we find our peace is having that unity with Christ. We've just got a couple more minutes, and I know you're going to be moving into an opportunity to gather. Uh, Father John Ricardo is going to be coming yeah, out yes. and working with some of our people with the pastoral assembly this upcoming weekend. Uh, the Kerygma will be a big message right, coming through for right. Advent. So just what are your hopes for this time of many of our uh, church leaders and priests to come together for this yes, pastoral assembly? Yes, you know, this is our, and for those of you who may not be uh, fully familiar with this, every three years the Archdiocese of Portland has been our practice to have what we call the pastoral assembly. And what the assembly is, it's a gathering of the church from all across the archdiocese. Typically, we ask the priests to come, especially the pastors of the parishes, with two representatives from each parish. Usually, these are representatives from each of the pastoral councils in the parishes. So we have this huge pastoral assembly where, you know, we're hoping the pastor and two people from every parish and the archdiocese comes. Uh, so any of you listeners out there whose parish, maybe you don't know if you're participating a lot uh, or not, you might prod your, your pastor <laughs> a little bit to make sure we participate. Yes, we gather together for this time. And in the past, it's often been about pastoral priority setting. You know, What are we going to focus on for a three-year period? Also, it's from the assembly that the next archdiocesan pastoral council is elected. So that council that I work with for three years that represents mostly the laity across the the archdiocese are elected from this assembly. Uh, So typically we talk about priorities, things we're going to focus on in a three-year period, and then the pastoral council sort of picks those points up and tries to work with them. This year we decided to do something a little bit different. We've invited uh, Father John Ricardo and his Acts 29 team to come. And, the, you know, the, he and his team spoke to the, all the priests of the Archdiocese of Portland about a year and a half ago in a special convocation that we had to simply share with us the good news of Jesus Christ, to preach the kerygma. What is the kerygma? The kerygma is the heart, the, the, the kernel, the nut of the gospel, if you will. Uh, John 3.16, that God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And Father Ricardo has a beautiful way of presenting this with his team, where he speaks of it in four words. And I I, I covered this on my YouTube channel. Those of you who follow the my YouTube channel, I did a series of videos on this very theme and topic of the kerygma. Four words, you know, created, captured, rescued, and then response. And so Father Ricardo is going to present the kerygma to this group gathered in a powerful way. And I, I guarantee you, it's a very powerful message. He has a, he is a gift uh, for how to present the, 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 and this is our story. Mm-hmm. The kerygma is our story. It's the Christian story and we need to know it and we need to know it intimately. We need to be able to, to, to share it with others. It's part of evangelization. If we don't know what we're evangelizing about, if we don't know the story, if we don't know the good news, you know, what am I supposed to share with people? You know, what, when we talk about evangelization, sharing the gospel, bringing Jesus to others, what is it that we're bringing? It's this. It's this story. It's the, it's the story of our redemption in Jesus. So he gives a very powerful presentation on that on Friday evening. And then Saturday, he's going to have two additional uh, presentations for, to help us now take that. And incarnate it, if you will, in our life and in our parish communities. You know, and to really discern. He, part of what Father Ricardo does with his team is they teach the art of discernment. You know, how does a parish discern 
uh, what it needs to do to, to promote the gospel, to tell the story of the kerygma, to evangelize. What are the obstacles in our parish? Where's the enemy mm-hmm. at work here? And that's, that's really, mm-hmm. listen, I have learned in recent time to be very close attention to where the enemy, mm-hmm. our ancient enemy, Satan, and his demons, where they are hard at work. And we need to discern how he's working and, and deflecting and, and keeping us from doing what we should do. And then we know how to, to engage in that warfare, that spiritual warfare, to, to spread the good news of Jesus. So I think, I think it's going to be a remarkable experience. I think those that are able to come and participate will walk away and just going, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope it changes lives. I hope it really, truly transforms lives. Yeah. Yeah, and that will hit right before the Feast of Christ the King. So let us just really pray for God's Holy Spirit to continue to work great wonders here in Western Oregon. I'm excited. I'm excited about the new year, Advent, and uh, just to see how things will continue to unfold. Well, God is doing, you know, I just for our listeners, especially those here in the Archdiocese, but our friends across the river too in Vancouver and the area, I think God is just doing great things here. Mm -hmm. And I know I keep saying this and I just keep seeing silent, you know, as the surrender novena says, I will continue to make small miracles happen. Silent miracles happen. They are happening all the time. And every once in a while, a big one drops and (laughs) it just keeps happening. And Mm -hmm. it's not me. It's not us. It's God. Mm -hmm. It's the Holy Spirit doing incredible things. And we just have to be docile, open to where the spirit is leading us. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, with that, would you please help us close with your blessing? May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.